Hey guys, thanks for joining us. I know that, uh, thanks for your patience. There's some people on Facebook that are gonna come right over because uh, for some reason our live was not working on our Facebook. Uh, but just thank you for joining us online. Uh, just thank you for, I know some of you guys are meeting at homes or other places or watching on your phones, maybe in bed, uh, but I'm just glad that you guys are with us. I know for some of us, we feel fearful, you know, and for others of us, Maybe you're confused or perplexed or of what all this means or what's going to happen with uh, with the virus. And others are just annoyed that that this is all going on and it's messing up the things that are normal or usual, you know, maybe your Sunday mornings. Uh, but we moved uh, our services online for a couple of reasons. First and foremost is to love our neighbors, to protect those who are most vulnerable in our church. And that was important to us. And second, this is what our governor asked us to do. To abide by uh, but for all of us today I want you to know that these are the moments that we put our trust in Christ and we lean on one another and also this is where we we are the church called God for good works to our neighbors for our co-workers to the vulnerable and afraid and so uh, today if you have your Bibles you have your phones I want you to open up the Romans 12 we're gonna we're gonna read that almost completely and then we're gonna run into uh, everything that we want to talk about and we're continuing the series of Rooted, which is the seven practices of a healthy relationship with Jesus. And our desire is that together we would build a robust and rooted trust in God. But listen, no, it, it doesn't happen just naturally. It takes discipline, it takes practice. You're like an athlete. I know, I don't know what you do or if you're athletic, but you're like an athlete and you're practicing, you're studying, you're refining your skills, your apprenticeship to Jesus, your, the ways of his life individually and communally. So we are on part six of the series and we're sharing our story, sharing your story. And listen, your story matters. It matters to God, it matters to you, it matters to people. And today's message, we are talking about this, about sharing our story, the motivation, the myths, and the method of sharing our story, right? The motivation, the myths, and the method. And so I'm going to read Romans and just uh, just be uh, just uh, just uh, be patient with me because we're reading a lot of scripture. Uh, but this is the word of God and let it impact you deeply. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is worship, right? It's not just your singing. This is worship. Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed of the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Number one, we are living sacrifices in view of God's mercy, the gospel, the ultimate gift of Jesus who exchanged his life for ours, showing us, listen, listen, how much we are valued. And if you want to know how much God loves you, look no further than Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured something for he saw something, right? Scorning its shame. And you were his joy. And, and, and his cross for your life and your rec uh, reconciliation. And in view of all that, offer your life as a response to his love, a living sacrifice. See, first century people, they understood sacrifices. So a living sacrifice was a striking image because they always seen a dead, bloody sacrifice, right? A sacrifice, just imagine, brought alive to the altar, fully alive and fully dedicated to God as it also leaves. 
So, so it says, be a living sacrifice. And it says, now stop conforming, following, imitating the systems of the world, but be transformed. The word is a metamorphosis to change to another form by the renewing or the renovation of our minds. In a renovation, you tear down something to build something up on a new foundation, a new building plan. And this is the new way of being human, the way Jesus was. Verse three, for by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So our starting line is this humility and this self-awareness that everything we have, even the faith that we have, is a gift from God. Think about that for a moment. Verse 4, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body with each member belonging to all the others. That's important right there. We have different gifts According to the grace given to each of us, once again, that's even the gifts are from God. They're not our gifts, right? If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy if it's according with to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's leading, leading do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Number two, we're better together. That's what that means. Uh, I, I, I just want to tell you a story. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, we grew up with these things. They're called Power Rangers, right? The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And these are the toys. My son still plays with these Power Rangers. And it's very weird because it's pretty much the worst live action kids show ever invented. The plot was exactly the same every time. The bad guy would scheme to disband the rangers through petty infighting and through mind control and these monsters. Yet through a 30-minute episode, the rangers would find somehow they would learn to resolve their differences to save the world from Rita Repulsa, right? And I know our lives are much more complex than the rangers, right? It's complicated. We have real conflicts, real problems. We are dealing with COVID-19. We, we don't know what to do with our kids because they're off school for the next two weeks. If the schools are shut down, our jobs are kind of iffy right now. We don't know what's going to happen. And it doesn't resolve in 30 minutes. But I wonder if that's the same tactic our enemy has towards us trying to disband, divide, diminish, cause discord in the body of Christ, in our team, in our family, in this body. And, what, and by the lies we hear and the false stories we tell ourselves and we tell others. Because our enemy knows the power of the local church united and on mission together is so powerful. It's the life-changing presently and eternally. And listen, we are the body of Christ together. Tell yourself that. We are the body of Christ. Christ together. There's no professionals and no regular Christians. God divinely placed you here. I want you to drink that in, that God divinely placed you to be united, to use your gifts in humility and in submission to one another as living sacrifices. We all take part. There's no fans in the church. We're all players. We all get work done. We all sweat, right? according to the gifts, the possessions, the influences that God has given us. In the book, Not a Fan, Kyle Eidelman writes, the biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians, but aren't actually interested in following Christ. 
They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. So in case someone left it out or forgot to mention it, when they explained what it meant to be a Christian, let me be clear. There is no forgiveness without repentance. There's no salvation without surrender. And there's no life without death. And there's no believing without commitment. We are not fans of Jesus. We are followers. We are disciples. We are practitioners. And, and like the show says, it's morphing time, right? It's power up time. Verse 9 to 18. I'm going to be quick. Love must be sincere. It must be real without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fire serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Hear that up. Hear it. Hear it. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. We need that now. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Open up your life. Open up your home. Open up your generosity, right? Bless those who persecute you. We don't bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, broken people, hurting people, people you might not agree with, people you might not like. Do not be conceited, but do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That just means be honorable. Be honorable. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I know that's a lot of verses, but this is part three. It says, we love like Jesus. That is another motivation. We love like Jesus, the way Jesus loved us, and it will cost you. But not following will cost you so much more. Everything that God has in plan for his followers, do not trade that for easy road. Do not trade it to conform, right? And this kind of love that they're talking about is sincere and it's shocking. And yes, this kind of love, it gives us the influence in our spheres to speak with credibility about what we believe. Yet it's transformational. This transformation doesn't mean we don't sin, right? Just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean we don't sin. But listen, 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 listen. We don't continue to live in sin. When we know something is wrong, we step out and we say, I trust you over I trust my desires, right? Have you? And that's, that's shocking. And I know that's hard in our culture. But I'm telling you, read that again, verse 9 to 18. There, it's talking about a shocking kind of love. Have you ever been shocked by love? When you received the opposite of what you deserved, you were given more than you were expected. This is the love of Jesus, the love we are called to. And I'm here today because God had placed people in my life who shocked me with love. They shocked me. And this motivation of sharing our story for God's greater glory is because of this love that God has for us. And, and, and our impetus, our, our motivation is found in this. And think about this. In view of God's mercy, renovated by hope in Jesus, maturing through costly community, working for unity, walking in humility with genuine and sincere love. In view of all of that, it's a new way of being human. And we tell our story through that, through that motivation, through that push. So here's the myths. That was our motivation. So here's the myth that we face. In recent surveys done by Barna and Tom Rayner, listen to this. 82% of unchurched people are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they're invited. Yet guess what? Only 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church. 
meaning they invite other Christians, but they will not invite unchurched uh, people to church. So 98% of churchgoers will never extend this invitation in a given year to an unchurched person. And listen, 7 out of 10 unchurched people have never been invited. Never. I want us to drink that in for a moment because I hate those stats. What Christians think we're doing and what's actually happening are very polar opposites. Maybe it's because of a fear of rejection or a lack of awareness. Now you know. Now you know, right? Uh, G.I. Joe would say knowing is half the battle. Now you know, right? But we're reducing our part as the church to maybe a meme or to a post, a thumbs up, a like, or being a good person. God is saying renew your minds and let's pray, God, renew our minds, God. So here's the common reasons why people don't share their faith. Number one. I don't have what it takes. I don't know enough. I'm not ready. I'm an introvert. And listen, if you are a believer, you have the spirit of God, period, right? And that's what it takes. Your ability is not your personality or your skills, but it's by the spirit in you. Our neighbors don't read the Bible. They read you. Please say something. Number two, it's not my gift. Yes, some believers have the gift of evangelism. Ephesians 4 talks about But a gift given to a few shouldn't conceal the charge given to all, the Great Commission. Listen, the people with the gift of service, generosity, and faith are not the only ones who should serve and share their stuff and believe in God. Isn't that true? The Great Commission is for everyone. Number three, I witness with my life. And the sentimentality behind this one is that we demonstrate the love and message of God by our lifestyle. And yes, we do, but that's not all we do. The gospel requires words. Someone has to speak it, right? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Be generous, be humble, gracious, sacrificial, but do not substitute all those for an invitation. Number four, I don't have time. I'll be quick. We we are busy. We are busy. We are busy. Look at me. I'm talking fast already. We go to work. We're go, go, go. We have responsibility. We're parenting, right? We're trying to look for toilet paper and we can't find it. We have hobbies. And I understand this and I do. And many of us right now feel overwhelmed, anxious because of all the hurry that's going around us. And you wonder, should I be in a rush? Should I be hurried like them? Right? We feel it. But by our faith in Jesus, it's not an addition to the rest of our life. It is the driving force of all of life, and you cannot separate it. God works in you and through you as we trust Him with our whole life. And number five, talking to other people about Jesus makes me feel weird. And yes, it does. But here's the thing is the message important enough for a little awkwardness? Is your fear and how people see you more important than how God sees you? There was a story several years ago about a man who was driving his car down an interstate in Los Angeles very late one evening. And an earthquake hit and the man pulled over his car. And when it finally stopped, this guy got back on the road and he suddenly noticed a taillight of the car in front of him would disappear, right? He stopped his car and got out and he realized that a bridge broke down and this car fell 75 feet into the water. 
The man turned around and realized several more cars were headed towards that way. And he began to wave his arms frantically, right? But the people driving across the bridge outside of LA at three o'clock in the morning, they're not likely to stop for a man just waving his arms, right? For a crazy person, right? He, they thought this crazy person on the side of the road. So he watched more cars fall, four more cars drove right past and plunged. Then he looked and saw a large bus coming towards him. And he made up his mind that if this bus went off the bridge, it would have to take him with it, right? So he stood in the path and waved his arms until the bus finally stopped. It honked his horns, it flashed his lights, but the man would not move. The bus driver got out all mad and then saw the danger and blocked the path with the bus to stop everyone else. What would you have done if you had been the one to see the break in the bridge? You probably would have done the same thing passionately pleading with people to stop. Would you care that other people watching thought you had lost your mind? Of course not. What you know makes their attitude towards you irrelevant. If you find yourself lacking motivation to share with others, ask yourself, do I really believe what Jesus said? Is Jesus really good news? Do I really believe in hell? And if you answer yes, sharing the message is worth the awkwardness it's worth anything. In the words of Craig Groeschel, he said, I will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. That is what I believe that our heart must have. And those were the myths. And finally, the method. And we're closing down here. Now, here's what I want us to do this week. In the time of fear and anxiety and hopelessness and confusion, more than ever before, people need you. People need peace. People need Jesus. And they're open to a conversation. Everyone's talking now because in the middle of fear, they want to know what's going on. I charge you with a simple but important task. We can't reach everyone, but we can reach someone. So who's your one? Who's your one? Right now, begin to think, who's my one? One person. One person. Begin to pray for that one person. Pick one person who's far from Jesus. Begin to pray for them daily. Ask God for an opportunity. And then when he gives you one, take it. Share your story. Share Jesus. Take responsibility for one. For one. Ask God to help you, lead you, empower you by his Holy Spirit. But then you've got to take the risk and step out for one. Don't give yourself a pass. Don't talk your way out of this one. One person's life can be changed forever. And listen, someone did it for you and someone did it for me. And, and this is a good way. Invite them to Easter. You have four weeks and you can invite them to Easter service if we're not going to do it online. Do it together at their house after you bring a giant turkey. I don't know what's going to happen. We're trying to figure that out. But church, be the church. Be the church. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. If he is boss, master, Lord, right? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Who is your one? I close with a final story. A few years ago, the magician Penn Gillette from Penn & Teller was doing a show. And he was, he's an atheist. And, and he told a story about a man, which kind of blew up on his podcast, I believe. 
about a man who came to him after a show and the man complimented Penn. And then he gave him a small book. It was a New Testament. And the man said with boldness and with love, I want you to have my New Testament. I want you to have this. A friend of uh, Penn Gillette said, weren't you offended? And Gillette responded in this way, never. Listen, how bad do you have to hate someone, to believe in Jesus, heaven, and hell, yet still think it's not really worth telling because it would make it socially awkward? Church, be the church. This is your opportunity. So as we close today, here are some questions I want you to wrestle with, and we'll put it online. Number one, ask God to show you areas of your life that is conformed to this world, to conform to the voices, to the fears, to the lies, to the sins. And then ask Jesus, God, would you renew my mind? And would you metamorphosis, man, power me up, change me from, uh, from the bottom to the top, from a new foundation to a new way of being human? Number two, who is your one? Pray then obey. Pray, then obey. Invite them to Easter. Invite them to your life. But take the opportunity. Find out your one. Don't, don't write this off. Don't write it off. Number three, take time to write your story. Keep it easy. First, your life before Jesus. Second, the moment you went all in, that, that salvation moment. And if you're not there today, write it down. Write down what's keeping you from trusting Jesus. And if you have questions to ask us, please be just write us. Email us at info at myhillcity.org. Info at myhillcity.org. Third, write your life after Jesus. Write that down. Learn, practice telling your story. Listen, we can't do everything, but all of us are called to do something. Church, be the church. People need you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this moment that we have. I know that there are people listening now and people who are going to listen later. But I pray, God, would you challenge us to not just read the word and pass on by, Lord God, but that we would be the church with the motivation that you gave us with Jesus in your great mercy, Lord God. And with the myths that we face, I pray they start being broken down. If we really believe that, Jesus, you were the best thing for people. You were good news. And finally, the method is that we would pick one person, God, and we would invest our prayer, our emotion. We would love on them, Lord God, and we would invite them into our lives. We would tell them about Jesus, and we would invite them to Easter. Can you imagine if we all just reached one, God? Easter would be double. I pray it's not so that we grow a church, Lord, but we would grow Christians who are not a fan, Lord, but followers of Jesus. I pray that be our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For those who uh, please continue uh, to uh, connect with people, make sure that if people are shut in, that you would reach out to them. Be the church. Think about not only the plan for you have what you have for your family. Think about a plan of outreach for your neighbors. Uh, knock on all your neighbors' door or call them, text them and say, hey, let's make a plan. If this something happens, what we can do for one another and support one another. Be, and, and be the church. Be the church. 
Also, con continuing to bring your giving, to, uh, and you can give online or you can text us to 84321 and you can text it that way. But thank you for your generosity. And, but more than anything, we're going to keep you up to date. We have texts going out. We have email. We have it on Facebook. We're going to put it on our website. But we're going to keep all communications open. If you have any questions, uh, contact us at info myhillcity.org. Thank you. God bless you. And we'll keep you in the loop very soon. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us.